Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you may be, and welcome to the MMA Shower, sponsored by Hatton James Legal, at Hatton James Legal. For all your employment law needs, please go to hattonjameslegal.co.uk, hattonjameslegal.co.uk, and for all your podcast needs, to get your podcast fixed, go to srbmedia.co.uk, that's S-R-B media.co.uk king of podcasts and you can get pretty much any type of podcast you're you're wanting to get into or wanting to listen to uh, from football soccer speedway music darts some wrestling uh, pretty much any type of podcast you can think of to get your uh, weekly or monthly podcast fix okay in this month's uh, mma shower podcast uh, we're going to be talking about or reviewing sorry previewing ufc 257 um, which is poirier versus mcgregor 2 just before i get into the main body of the podcast i can i'd like to give you the details on how to contact the show and as all your comments and questions are always welcome so please do that the MMA show 7 at gmail.com, the MMA show 7 at gmail.com, Twitter handle is at the MMA shower, at the MMA shower, and the Facebook page is Let's Talk MMA, Let's Talk MMA. In particular, we've had a few uh, uh, questions and comments through Facebook, so keep that coming. Yeah, so this month's ep- episode is a preview of UFC 257, January 24th, which is just over uh, two and a half weeks. This is pre recorded. And that is in Abu Dhabi, Yaz Island, as most, well, a good percentage of the uh, podcast, sorry, the shows, the MMA shows and uh, the UFC shows were from last year due to COVID-19. So it looks like that is repeating itself. It looks like it's going to be Yaz Island, Abu Dhabi and Vegas for the foreseeable future. I would probably say for the first six months of this year. At, uh, at the best uh, optimistic guess but let's hope it may improve quicker than that yeah so this uh, this month's uh, episode is Poirier versus McGregor 2 we'll, uh, plus we'll look more into the state of the lightweight division uh, in particular due to Khabib retiring and I'm putting that in inverted commas but you obviously can't see that um, and how that um, provides the, the sort of division probably one of the, the best most talented division I would say in the UFC's uh, weight divisions but uh, how does that throw the cat amongst the pigeons and does it give opportunities where maybe six months ago there wasn't an opportunity so we'll go into that into quite a lot of detail and uh, yet to introduce my regular guest and 
uh, co-host. It's uh, Matthew Penny from Purely MMA. Good good afternoon. Good morning, Matt. Good afternoon. What a what a, a roller coaster of a ride the past year has been um, since our last Connor fight, and it's uh, it's crazy to think that I was definitely thinking about flying over to America for the next Connor fight that was going to happen. Um, God, that just seems like a, a world away thinking about flying to America and stuff now but uh, hopefully the last stages of this year hopefully we'll be able to fly somewhere a bit more freely and hopefully see some live MMA yeah absolutely I can only just echo that and uh, yeah so moving on to the the podcast I think what we'll do is we'll look at this this state of the the lightweight division um, and you know the the permutations the connotations of Khabib retiring, but let's let's get your view. Is he, in your mind, retiring, or is he was deployed to get a bigger fight, bigger money, or maybe just he felt that way at that time? Yeah, I, I, I think he meant it. It was a very emotional couple of weeks around that last fight, and the whole thing was that his mother wanted him to retire because you know it was a, a thing between father and son, and she didn't want it to continue. But I think everybody knows that his dad wanted him to go thirty and zero. And I think for for him that will weigh heavily on his mind. I think a big a big fight to end his career is would be important to him. I think um, I, I think the fight everybody is ex- expecting at some point is him versus GSP, um, and it, it would just tie off the career nicely. I know it's already tied off quite nicely at twenty nine. I know it's a, a hell of an achievement, but. There's now questions starting to prop up on social media of his early career, and if you look back at his Russian MMA fights, a lot of his opponents, I think, they only had about two wins in his first 15 fights. So, and, and so now it's coming out, and people are saying, "Well, 29-0, it's, it, that seems very inflated. You should go out and you know really have a you know beat a guy who's in the goat conversation." Um, I'd like to see it as well because GSP is my personal greatest of all time, so. That'd be nice just to cement that or or pull that into question in my mind. But yeah, I, I don't think he's retired. Yeah, I, I think uh, I agree with the, a good portion of what you've said. Um, I think if it is if he's coming back for thirty and all, then uh, the 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 absolute legacy fight is GSP. Um, and if it's monetary and and still, you know. A legacy fight, but not as much as it would be if, if GSP is the opponent. Is obviously still Conor McGregor, um, but um, I would put GSP as if he's really thinking of, um, you know, a legacy fight and that maybe being talked about as one of the greatest of all time. Because there's two ways you look at it. You look at the numbers, and you know, if you look at pure hard cold spreadsheet numbers, greatest of all time has to be John Jones then I can't remember the order now but maybe GSP Anderson Silva they were fairly close well actually Mighty Mouse he's got to be up there as well he might be second but them them guys are head and shoulders from a numbers perspective but then Conor McGregor bought a lot of excitement a lot of interest and, and obviously two weight world champion Daniel Cormier so th- there is all these various um sort of points to consider when you think greatest of all time but for Khabib I, I think 30-0 and 0 will be his, his goal uh, and like you said at that time the year he's had 
you know, a horrible year personally for the family. Um, he must have just thought, let's just go. But there's an interview with uh, with Dana White on uh, on YouTube or wherever uh, with for ESPN with Brett Akamoto. And uh, Dana has said that he is going to meet Khabib in uh, Yaz Island, Abu Dhabi in the next few weeks before UFC 257. So it'll be interesting. We may know we may know, know more once that's happened in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and Khabib has tweeted about it, saying, "See you over there, and see you over there, Dana. Looking forward to it, and looking forward to meeting." It's, it, I, I think, in, in Khabib's head, I think the Conor fight is done. I think I think Khabib is very much a one and done kind of guy. If if he beats you, that's done. You know, move on to the next one. If if you if you look at it from any other kind of fighter's perspective, there's loads that he could do. There are other challenges that will come up at lightweight. He could easily go up to welterweight and compete easily with those top guys, I believe, and then fight GSP. There's so much he could do. But from his, he's very family orientated. I know his his, his mother's keen for him to, to leave it behind. She could have a change of heart. We just don't know. I, I think the 30-0 for him, though, is the, the logical end. And if it was to be like a huge, you know, 10 million, 15 million payday against GSP when fans are allowed back in the arena I mean that it, it would be huge because the, the, if we're talking about numbers the, the Khabib Gaethje uh, numbers weren't that great mm. It was that was hyped up as the biggest fight in UFC history for weeks and weeks and weeks and the numbers were pretty poor which, was, pretty su- which was surprising yeah it was surprising it was surprisingly low mm. um, I, I thought it was going to be near a million you know, people were saying it was going to be higher than Connor's fights ever was. Mm. I, d- I didn't think it was ever going to be that, but I thought it was going to be near a million. But I think it was just over half half a million, yeah. which you know it isn't massively great. So I think to be going off on a fight with GSP with a full arena, maybe in like Canada or something, that you know it would be just off the charts. It'd, it'd be incredible. Yeah, I think um, I think the GSP fight makes sense you know Connor's got something to gain he's, he's got revenge if he fights Khabib but Khabib really hasn't got anything to gain like you said he is a one and done man uh, where GSP the legacy but the the sticking point with that is the um, the weight class uh, will he be a catch weight then does he lose anything if it's a catch weight or Khabib could quite easily he walks around at 190 I believe uh, which is about 84 kilos, um, which is about 13 and a half stone uh, from our perspective. Um, and then he, he obviously loses nearly 40 pounds, which is nearly three stone in, in eight weeks or whatever, which is a r- ridiculous wake up, but he does it most of the time anyway. So the catch weight, but uh, yeah, venue is going to be key. I, I think it's, it's a choice of two, either Canada Toronto or, or somewhere you know one of the big cities there or Moscow yeah it, it, it would have to be uh, I, don't, I don't think the weight is uh, a particular sticking point if, if they were to do like a, a catch weight at 160 or 165 it wouldn't I don't think this is a, a case of the, the weight class I, I think if, if they were both to meet in the middle I, I think that'd be fine. You know, it's it's pretty much bang, it's pretty much on what they would be fighting at usually anyway. So, 
and, and GSP is in the best best shape of his life. I mean, he's I don't know if you follow him on social media, but he he is just always in the gym. He is in mm. he is in pristine shape. He'd have to have ten weeks of actual fight camp, of course, but you know, physically wise, he's there. You know, it, it's it's ready to go. It's just whether Dana's ready to pay the correct amount, and and then partly if the desire is there for GSP, he keep he keeps saying that he has no desire for it. But then when Khabib retired, he said, "Well, you know, if it was there, I would take it," mm. and the money was right. So, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think everybody wants it. It's just a matter of you know the stars aligning and everything coming together at the right time. Yeah, I agree. I think with GSP, GSP is one of those guys that um, just, you know, he would go to the gym to stay in shape and then eat right just without being a competitive athlete. He's just one of those guys where some professionals, once they get to being a professional and then being a champion, they really only go to the gym for a fight, you know, when they've got a fight coming up. So I don't think GSP is one of those guys who lets himself go 20, 30, 40 pounds overweight and, you know, too much passing, no. whatever. He's ripped. Mm. He, he he's he's ripped. He's 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 in fantastic shape, and he's into this. Uh, he, he's I think he's an ambassador. I think for this company in, in Canada, and it's like uh, in water sports equipment. So mm. he's riding the bike like mm. fully submerged in water mm. and running in fully like like crazy cardio. Mm. He he'd be ready. He'd, he'd be ready. All he'd have to get, he'd have to put his fight head on. But you know, physically he's there. So yeah, I don't doubt uh, fitness-wise he'd be ready. But fighting is obviously it's, it's an art, and, and art takes practice. And when did he fight Bisping? Two years ago? Three years ago? Yeah, yeah, two or three years ago. And before that, it was was he two years retired or three years retired? Or I can't remember. Three. Yeah, yeah three-year gap, yeah. So two fights in five or six years, that's got to have some bearing. I don't care if you're a 10th Dan degree, that if you haven't fought, really fought, you know, you can practice, obviously, in the gym, but two years and six years, that's got to be a, a minus for him. Potentially. The, the longer he waits, the, the tougher it's going to be. Mm. Obviously, Khabib is going to be the sharper blade because, you know, he's been fighting regular for the last whatever... Yes, but uh, yeah, I, I think GSP makes the most sense for Khabib for thirty and oh if it's going to be thirty and oh and and that the carrot for um, for GSP is if it is one sixty five, it'll be a champion and another weight, so he will be a triple crown, you know, triple C as one of the other Henry Sudo used to call it. <laughs> God, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he'll be a triple champion, and uh, so for for both of them, there's there's. You know, take away the money, they don't really need it, but obviously they should get every last penny and cent because of the sacrifices and the danger they go through. So they'll get loads of money, but this, this sort of legacy of the best of the best coming together is uh, is the most enticing thing, I think. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So if okay, let's so that that's Khabib coming back in. Let's let's imagine Khabib is retired, and in two weeks Dana says, "Ah, oh, well, you know, I tried. I offered him five million, then ten million, then fifteen million, and he still said no. Fair enough." Um, we've got uh, Poirier McGregor. We, we'll talk about the fight in more detail, but from a, I, I be, I've heard Dana say on the same interview, it's definitely not for the title. So. Yeah. 
So that is true. If that's true, then that's uh, it's not for the title. It's just a main event. And then um, we've got Chandler versus um, Hooker on the co-main. So it's like a mini lightweight tournament. So logically, in my logic, doesn't mean it's going to be right. One, you know, the winner of main event fights the winner of co-main event for the title. Next fight. Yeah, it's honestly, I, I think the McGregor Poirier fight is a ready-made title fight, in my opinion. Um, I, if if he if Dana has exhausted all all avenues to get Khabib back to fight, I I don't know why he wouldn't just put the the title on on Dustin and Connor. It's ready made. It's there. They're both in the top five, top uh, you know ranked four and, and two. Um, and then yeah, the co-main is a is a a proper sort of number one contenders fight. I mean you've you've always got Charles Oliveira there, mm-hmm. who is on a what a twelve win streak or something crazy like that. So you've got him there as well. But it's it's still like a ready made t- little mini tournament there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if you've if, if you've exhausted all avenues to, for Khabib to fight back, and he's just really not interested, and that's it. That's him done for, you know, at least a year or two before he starts to get that itch. I, I don't know why. You, what have you got to lose? Mm. What have you got to lose? Otherwise, you're just going to have. You know, you, we know what Dana's like. He doesn't like having the title held up by anybody. Um, you know, he usually hands out interim titles left, right, and center. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know why you wouldn't make it the title fight and just go go for it. Yeah, it is. It, I agree. It is a strange one that uh, Poirier and McGregor. Uh, Poirier has done enough in the last three, three years, four years, and he was obviously interim champion at one point. And then uh, obviously McGregor is McGregor, and he's done you know pretty much everything. So why that isn't a title fight? The only thing I can think of, and this this is just far out. You know, there's no real theory behind this is is Dana punishing McGregor they had their spat last year when McGregor revealed some DMs that they sent between themselves but Dana's a businessman would he do that for the sake of uh, some personal beef I don't know I, I think he probably would <laughs> you, you, you know what he's like um, so I think he definitely probably you know he would do that but I, I, I think I think it's it more hinges on the the fact that he has hopes for Khabib to be back. I think we all know that. Um, so if they're if they're meeting in Yaz Island, you know, in the next week or two, I think uh, more details will come out. At the moment, you know, Dana's having all these interviews now, and he's he's answering them probably very truthfully. But it's the truth of now. Mm. The truth can change in a couple of weeks if Khabib says, "You know, what, I'm honestly done. You're not offering me the right amount of money that I would." it would take or you haven't given me GSP so I'm not really interested I'm, I'm going to walk away now and you know maybe look at it in a year or two you know the truth then could be well let's give the title to to Dustin and Connor and see what happens mm. and and I think he, he could have hedged his bets Dana he could have just called it an interim title fight and regardless of what happens with Khabib, if Khabib comes back, then the winner naturally fights Khabib. And if he doesn't come back, then the interim gets bumped up to actual or, or real or whatever you want to call it. So uh, it could have been done that way. But uh, as as of now, the, you know, he's saying no, it's definitely not a title fight, and uh, we'll see what happens in the in the main event and the co-main event then. 
Yeah, in, in the same in the same vein of what I said earlier, it's, it's a really made title fight, but the same vein, it doesn't really need it. It's a, a very interesting fight on its own mm. ranks, and and once again, it's a, a second January in a row now. Connor has a main event with no title, just just him carrying it, and I'm you know I'm pretty sure, uh, linking back to what I said earlier about the Khabib uh, pay per view numbers, the Connor uh, Cowboy fight last January was, you know. One of the best-selling pay-per-views of last year. Mm. It sold, you know, three hundred thousand more than could be Gaethje, and that's with no title. So it just shows the, the the drawing power of one man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's still got it, even though he's not fighting for a title or fighting regular and and everything else. But he's he's definitely still got the uh, the drawing power of a pay-per-view. And the prices have gone up for pay-per-view. I think they they used to be sixty dollars, and now they're eighty-four dollars or eighty-five dollars, something like that. Yeah, I think so. I think because it's Connor, um, BT Sport have put it on pay-per-view in the UK as well, which uh, mm. kind of sucks. And how, how much yeah. is it with BT? Is it still twenty pounds or? I don't know. I haven't actually looked yet. I haven't arranged what I'm going to do. Have a quick look now, but yeah. it's uh, it's 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 usually around 20, 22, 23, 24, I think it is. Mm. Yeah, I think BT Sport will uh, try to eventually go to a a pay per view pay per view model. I don't think they'll get away with it in the in Britain. Yeah. No, I don't think so. And I, I think BT Sport, it's uh, their coverage is great, and it's there's a lot of. Um, there's lots of UFC programming that they put on when there's no fight on, which I quite like. So there's always something to flick on to. Um, but, you know, they've got this agreement where they have to have a few box offices per year, so they're obviously going to pick the biggest the mm. biggest ones. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense from a, from a business perspective. So, um, okay, we'll move on to the, the fights themselves. So we'll... Uh, We'll start with the co-main event, and we've got Michael Chandler, who's long time. I think he's been was in Bellator for ten years. He was champion. Um, I think he was two weights, certainly lightweight. I can't remember if he, if he was featherweight champion. Might have just been lightweight. Um, and he's had you know some good battles with Pit, Pitbull, uh, Fabrizio, and um, Eddie Alvarez. You know, so he, he's definitely a war horse and. Uh, but there's also Dan Hooker, who's immensely tough and uh, very tall for that division, six foot, and quite rangy and, and obviously got a long reach. So uh, for Chandler, is, is he taking a step up? Would Hooker be a step up from someone, a champion from Bellator? Uh, I think Ferguson would have been a step up. Khabib sure would have been a step up and, and probably Poirier. But I'm not sure Hooker is a step up. What's your thoughts on that fight? I think I think that's a lot of people's thoughts about Hooker, and I think he's being uh, underrated. I think I think Michael Chandler coming to the UFC, it, it's very very similar to what happened with Ben Askren. Ben Askren was in Bellator and won, and for many many years, and a champion in various promotions. I think he was even undefeated. I think wasn't he? Um, mm-hmm. Then coming into the UFC, and the big question was, how is he going to hold up? And then he had a questionable win against a sort of gatekeeper of a division this is this is a, a carbon copy of it apart from the you know Chandler not being undefeated but somebody who is 
very well known for one thing, and he's 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 a great knockout artist and a great finisher. Um, against Dan Hooker, who really should not be overlooked. He's he is a battle horse, you know. Apart, especially his past three fights have been absolute wars. So now he is he's war proven. He's going to be a tough fight, and he's going in there ready to prove and ready to spoil the party, if you will. And will Michael Chandler be able to live up to a step up in competition? I think Hooker is an easier of a a fight for him to kick him off, but it's not. It's it's no way near an easy one. He, you know, he's not facing somebody unranked and you know with 20 losses. He, you know, he's facing a guy who can take him into deep waters and really challenge him and Dan Hooker. Yeah, um, it's certainly not a not an easy fight. Hooker's uh, you know very tough and and got a lot of. Uh, Skills. Uh, I think the comparison with uh, with Ben Askren, yeah, Bellator, Tick, uh, you know, coming from another, even though obviously he didn't come direct from Bellator, but still he was a long time champion there. Um, but I think it ends when you talk about when you really get into fighting styles. Ben Askren literally was one dimensional. He relied on his wrestling and he would get everyone down and then he would do his his wrestling slash grappling and submission and um, and he got exposed you know even when he beat Robbie Lawler that was seconds away from a a complete concussion you know a few more pounds of pressure on his head and he probably would have cracked it open um but uh maybe lucky he had an afro uh, but uh yeah so the comparison I don't think sort of he's good in terms of fighting styles Chandler's more well-rounded he's obviously got stand-up he can he can punch agreed yeah and Ben Askren admitted it I think he when he reflected after the Jorge Masvidal knockout he no when when he lost to when he got submitted by Maya and then he then he retired he said oh for five years he couldn't do any stand-up because of injuries or whatever so he realized that he was getting away with it with other fighters, lesser fighters that you, you just used to walk up, grab them, have a bit of a, a wrestle, and then they used to end up on the floor. And he tried it in the UFC, and it didn't really work. So, um, but Chandler, he is definitely a war horse. But is he is he taking too much damage? Like you said, the last three fights have been wars, and more than that, going back to Eddie Alvarez. You know how much has it taken out of him? And like you said, Dan Hooker is definitely not an easy fight. But when you compare him, it's an easier fight in inverted commas. Yeah, it's uh, the, the, the last three fights being wars are meant for Dan Hooker. I mean, look at his last three against Poirier, Felder, and yeah. Quinta. They were decision. You know, two of them were five rounds, one of them was three rounds, but yeah. they were all just, just absolute wars. There's, there's, there's no other just word for slug, it. fests, yeah. Yeah, Chandler is definitely more well-rounded, and you'd probably say he's coming into the UFC in better shape and with more tools definitely to challenge it's just that that is the question they're similar in, in terms of the fact they've both been away from the UFC for so many years they've built this huge career without the UFC now arguably a little bit later on in their careers they're finally taking the jump and, and challenging themselves at the higher uh, the highest possible way can they live up to it I think I think this is a war for Chandler Hooker is not going to be an easy fight. They, he he could have been given easier, 
but in the same vein, he could have been given harder. He could have been given like a, a Ferguson or a like a real top rank, like a Charles Oliveira. Mm. Um, it's it's going to be really interesting. I'm not writing off Dan Hooker at all. I'm really not, and I'm not. I, I don't think Chandler should look past him. I think Chandler for a while he was looking at Khabib straight away. You know, he was the he was the backup fighter for. He was he um, he was a Yaz Island for four weeks training. Yeah, yeah training and cutting weight and he hit weight and he was the backup fighter so for a long time when he came to the UFC he he was in that mindset of thinking I'm going to get Khabib straight away or I'm going to get you know literally a top guy so I hope he's not in that mindset now of oh I'm already at that level you know he really shouldn't overlook Dan Hooker Mm. I think that he he comes across as being way too professional to do that he he doesn't seem too arrogant or uh... So I don't think he'll do that, but for sure, Danuka's you know immensely tough. Yep, he, like you said, he, the last three, his last three fights have been just bloodfests and slugfests and literally toe to toe with Poirier. Um, but I think Chandler might might try to wrestle him a bit more. I'm not sure what Danuka's defensive record is like, but uh, being from New Zealand, you wouldn't think he's got you know. 20 years of uh, wrestling behind him like you do when you, if you're from a, an American school and if you've gone through the system the college system and if you've excelled yeah. which Chandler has so that that maybe may think okay I don't want to risk it too much you know mix it up do, do take takedowns and obviously do stand up and up the get the cage and then because uh, and also what he, Chandler will be thinking of is the reach because um, Hooker is 6 foot and he's, you know, you can tell lanky arms, long arms. So maybe um, Chandler will try to do uh, the takedown and get inside, and then try, you know, his powerful left hooks and right hooks, and uh, try to get on the inside. And the legs, don't forget for Dan Hooker, you know, a very established kicker, and oh, you know, he, he's that is going to be. It's that's always a good test. And if you throw a couple of of Dan Hooker's kicks into the midsection, that's going to be. If you do that in round one, that might be a nice little welcome to Chandler and to the UFC and say, right, how's that? <laughs> you know you know what I mean? Mm. Welcome to the UFC. Yeah. Welcome to the UFC. Have a nice couple of kicks to the midsection and see how you, how you cope with that. Because the reach is going to be mm. uh, large. It's four inches in, in arms. I'm not sure what the leg, what the leg difference is going to be. But. Mm. Yeah. The, the, the danger with, with kicks against a, an elite wrestler is, is sometimes that you know they can the catch rabbit. you. Yeah, and take you down. So, uh, will that play into his mind? But certainly, you know, he's a powerful kicker and he's got the reach. So, if he's if he gets his jab going, following up with a right straight down the pipe, you know, he, he showed a lot of power against Poirier. I think he nearly finished him in one round. Lucky the bell went. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. It's not an easy fight for sure. Um, it's an easier fight if you compare to. He could have got Ferguson, could have got Khabib, could have got Getche, could have got Oliveira. But when we, when I, when I think when, when we say easier, we're talking by a few percentage points, not like you, you know, uh, a huge gap. But uh, no, it's 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 a very very tough test for Chandler. And uh, if he wins, and you know, if Khabib stays retired, then he's probably going to be fine for the title later on this year. Yeah, I I would think so. I th- I think. Dana has been keen on pushing Chandler into a a prominent spot in the the company from from day one. So I think with one win. 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, uh, he'll be pushed up to a title contention kind of in the rankings. Maybe a fight against Oliveira next. as like a real number one contender's fight down the line. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this, this sort of talk about mini-tournament, it seems a bit fair on Oliveira with his last performance. It's it's very unfair, um, and that's why I said you know, I said earlier on I, I mentioned it. It's he, he can't be forgotten because he's on an incredible win streak, and the people that he's defeated along the way are, are very good. And really, in a in a less cramped division, he would be the the no question number one contender. But because this division is so, not only is it crammed forward, then you, you've got the the mega star power of Connor's name there next mm. to you. It's uh, it, it's tough to push your way through and get a title fight over him. Yeah, absolutely. The the Connor effect or the the McGregor show, as he used to call it, is still still in town. Yeah, and uh, you can't you can't ignore that because, like you said earlier, the pay per view numbers speak for themselves and uh, ring the ring the tills for uh, for the UFC shareholders. Yeah, uh, I think uh, just to sum up this the fight for me I think Chandler needs without putting much pressure on him for just for having a win He, I think he needs a complete performance he's been pushed to a, a, a newer I'm sure most of UFC UFC fans and watchers will be will know of him whether they know of him very well but Chandler needs to have a, almost a complete performance he mm. can't have a Ben Askren sort of lucky yeah. referee questionable win mm. he can't come out with that if he comes out with that it's, he's going to be in the same spot mm. um, and I think that's what happened to Ben Askren even after that I know he got the Masvidal fight but he was after that fight there was just little questions around him already there was no definitive answer about what he's going to be in the UFC Chandler needs to almost come in and have show off his wrestling a bit because he's got the collegiate wrestling in his background for years and years and years back in school he needs to show off a bit of that he needs to show off his striking. He needs to show that he can hang with some with a, a tough striker and a tough kicker with hooker. He needs to show that he can hang with him and then it's, have a finish. I it's think. gotta be a dominant statement, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He needs he needs to show a bit of everything in one fight because if he shows a bit of everything in one fight and he comes out with a, a finish win, then a whole new audience are gonna be like, right, that's what he's about. We've seen him have a bit of a war with Hooker he's handled it he's wrestled with him he's, he's looked good on the mat and then he finished him yeah. so without putting pressure on the guy he's not going to be listening but you know he needs a not just a win but he needs a a good win yeah 
And uh, you, you touched on a good point there about the the whole new audience and and you know UFC fans. Um, while some of them will follow other um, promotions, some of them will not. Certainly, to any great detail. Uh, but when Ben Askren, yes, he scraped through Robbie Lawler, and in hindsight, you know that was a sign of things to come. He his Twitter following, and he, you know, he did play, and he had he had a bit of a personality and was a bit of a bit of a goofball at times. Um, but his Twitter following, I think I can't remember the numbers, but let's say he was at hundred thousand as Bellator and one fighting championship. One FC. Um, he went up to half a million or seven hundred thousand after the Lawler fight, in between the Lawler and the Masvidal fight. Yeah. So there's all those metrics that you got to think of. You know, his, his fans will improve in numbers, Twitter, and other social media outlets, and that's what the UFC look at, don't they? They they look at all these metrics as your popularity. Yeah, and there's yeah, you know, there's a lot of guys like us who will watch a lot of promotions and and uh, you know a, a, a wide range but then uh, there's a weird thing about the UFC because you're the biggest promotion in the in that niche of sport and because like probably one of the biggest organizations and one of the biggest names in the world of general sport there are a lot of people who just watch that casual MMA watchers who will go well well I'll watch the big events for the big companies and that's kind of it mm. they'll all be you know he's and Chandler's in the co-main so you're gonna a huge a huge range of a new audience are going to be watching you so having a scraped win like Askren had a lot of that casual audience will go nah, yeah he was alright maybe a bit lucky and then just sort of forget who he is but if you have a dominant win you know they're not going to forget you yeah yeah okay prediction time Matt who are you going for Chandler versus Hooker I, I really don't think Chandler's over Hooker and I I'd like to keep that in mind but I think Chan will get the win I'm not sure how because Hooker's gone through some some absolute wars so I, I think it will be a Chandler decision win okay and I think that'll be okay if he, if, if he does what I said he, he should do and, and show a bit of everything of his game and really hang up well against Hooker I think that'll be good but yeah decision win yeah I, I'm going to agree with you. I, I'm going to go for Chandler, and I think it's, he, Hooker's going to be too durable, and uh, so I don't think he'll get finished. But uh, maybe a submission. I'm erring towards a submission slash decision. Um, I yeah. can't, can't see a knockout, to be honest. And uh, no. Okay. Too good. rangy. He's too rangy. Yeah, yeah, he, and he's 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 just too tough as well. Um, Okay, moving on to Poirier versus McGregor two. Now, obvi- the obvious background, the backdrop to this is that they fought six, five or six years ago. I think it must have been McGregor's third fight, certainly one of the first few fights in the promotion in the UFC. Uh, at featherweight. Yeah, at featherweight, so £10 lighter than what they're fighting at now. Um, Poirier was actually on a really good run. I think he was seven or eight fights winning on a winning streak. So he was uh, he was actually probably in a more favourable position. I don't know if he was. I don't think he was favourite for the fight, but you know he had a good run in the featherweight division, and he was seven or nine fights unbeaten. But McGregor finished him in a couple of minutes, and and you know really didn't have any respect for Poirier's striking and uh, 
were standing there and sort of goading him to punch him and Poirier got clipped and then he just got a bit of ground and pound and the referee stopped it. So no, the, the main obvious thing here is that Poirier has improved. He's shown that in the last whatever fights he's had since then. He's moved up a weight division um, and he's been a you know a champ, interim champ. And um, but has he? So two things: he's improved, McGregor's improved. Has Poirier improved enough? Has he improved enough? I I think he probably has improved enough. If this was the Connor of a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago, around the Khabib fight, when. Connor was going through this weird stage of, you know, more interested in promoting his whiskey. He was drinking through his fight camp. I think he just was taking everything so easily, and he thought everything was so easy for him. In that that sort of Connor era, I think Dustin would have taken him then. We're being told the past couple of weeks that this is the best Connor we've ever seen. You know, this Connor would be the cowboy Connor and Alvarez Connor together he's beaten both in in one day so if that is true you would struggle to find anybody who would beat him apart from Khabib um you're right they've both you know they're both so much more mature now they're a different weight class a weight class which probably suits them both better their their skills have improved massively um and Dustin is on a great run I mean losing to Khabib is no there's no shame in that at all. So if you take that out, he's an, he's, he's got a great record for the past the past year or two, well the past few years. Um, and he's had some wars. You know, he, he said himself this week uh, this week I think in an interview that he he wants there to be blood in round one against Connor. He wants this to be deep waters from the bell. So the, the question for me, we we know what they both they both can do with their with their striking now, and the the question is. Is Connor ready for those deep waters if Dustin can get him there? But you know that is the question. We haven't seen him for a year. A Connor that is. So, is he as good as they're all saying? Even Dana said, you know, I, I spoke to Connor the past couple of days, and this is the most focused Connor I've ever seen. And people aren't ready for what he's going to bring because the cowboy fight we didn't really see a lot. You know, we saw a really good head kick against a guy who is, with all due respect arguably way past his his peak so we saw a good head kick and then some some good a couple of a couple of good strikes but we we didn't see enough of it so there's still a lot of questions flying around about about how good connor is and if he is as good as everybody says he's being at the moment yeah and and the point you finished on that's that's where i was going to come in at first was i'm not sure what assessment i can make on connor's fight with uh, with cowboy because a he was at 170 pounds, yeah. and Cowboy's literally not done that much at 170 pounds. You know, he's had a couple of losses, a couple of wins, so he's not a genuine 170 pounder, um, and he hasn't done great things at that division. And also, the you know the way Cowboy's been in the last few fights when he the Ferguson fight was obviously at 155, and you know he was he was pretty bad in that fight so like you said he's passive bets so McGregor doing what he did was good but against who and um, 
and also those those shoulder um, sort of shoulder barges or shoulder clicks against the cowboy um, seem to sort of knock out or not knock out but stun cowboy and that sets up the head kick because he was after that he was stumbling a bit. Yeah, and do you know what? Those shoulder strikes were, you know, lauded by the commentators. So I've never seen that before, and it is it is odd. But it was just Cowboy was it. At the start of the fight, he looked so scared to be hit with hands. He just his head was down, and from from the off, his head was down, and he was burrowing. He was just trying to keep away from the hands. But and it was just, you know, what can you what can you take from that? You know, he, he, he you know kind of broke his nose in the first twenty seconds with the shoulders, and then it was just a great head kick, and that was a great head kick. But yeah. it was against a, a stunned cowboy. Who yeah, a, his way past his best. You know, that's with all due respect. He's had an amazing career, but mm. it, you know, he didn't do it. If he goes out and does that against Dustin in a couple of weeks, then you would say, you know, wow, he's, he's back. Like, yeah, yeah, you say that's incredible. But just because of who it was against before, you'd say uh, that might be a little bit lucky. You know, it was just the right, the right start against a guy who's way past it. If he does it against somebody who is on a career resurgence in Dustin, mm. you'd go, "Wow, that's incredible." Yeah, he had he has the power to do it for sure. We all know that. Yeah, you know, quoting Joe Rogan, you know, Connor does have the touch of death, and he's back at one fifty-five. And that, that's where I think he's best because at 170, the strikes that we did see, we always know Connor for like this fast twitch. He, he gets in and out with strikes. He always shows his left hand. We know that he jabs it in and then comes back out, or swings it and then comes back out like in a second, a split second. Mm. At 170, the strikes against Cowboy on the fence, it was it was not laboured, but because he was so stocky and so uh, muscly at 170. It was just like you, you you saw the strikes coming. It was a very I, I'm I'm fine, I'm struggling to find the words for it, but it wasn't like a fast twitch striking. Yeah, yeah. It was very you know measured and powerful. It, it wasn't rapid like a machine gun. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't rapid. It was more sort of strength based. Mm, mm, so at 155, he's not going to have. He's in great shape. Uh, watching him on social media, he, he does look in, in fantastic shape, as he always has been. Mm. Will he have that fast twitch back at 155? Because if, if so, honestly, it can, you know, it can switch off anybody at 155. Yeah, absolutely. The power is, uh, is always there. And uh, I think for, for Poirier, that um, if, if you look at the, the first fight, Poirier was backing off, backing off. And in the featherweight, I think everyone was doing that to Connor, um, and he would just sort of walk him down, walk him down. The left hand would come out, and that would be good night, good night Vienna. Um, whereas in the two fights he's lost, you know, in the in the well, the only two fights he lost in the UFC, one was at one seventy, and that was Nate Diaz, and and he Nate Diaz with everything, including the kitchen sink, and Nate Diaz. Just has this zombie-like, you know, sort of uh, structure and, and inner sort of brain working or whatever. And then he came second round. Nate Diaz started punching him back, and Connor Gast and the rest we all know. And then the the other fight was obviously Khabib, elite wrestler. So 
Poirier is, he's not an elite wrestler. He's not Khabib level. So we know that that's not probably going to happen to Conor. So Conor is going to be confident to stand how he wants, position his feet how he wants, put his hands down, put his hands down probably if he wants, um, which he did in the first fight they had. But also um, Poirier, no, he, he is powerful, he, but he's not a knockout artist. So can he do what Nate Diaz did to Conor? But that was at a different weight class. Yeah, he he's the, the main thing we're saying this word a lot in this podcast but it's it's, it's a fight card of war horses it really is Dustin Poirier is more of a war horse he, he's got he's, he's got more volume of striking because he can just he hasn't got a zombie like quality he's just got a, a very high durability but you, you, he hasn't fought somebody with Connor's striking price I would say and you know what about what, what? Where would you put Justin Gaethje against uh, Connor in striking? It, it, that, that's different. That is more like a Nate Diaz zombie-like striking, though. He, he just. But he, would you say Justin Justin is just as powerful as Connor in striking, offensively? Tough one. Tough one. I would say. Probably not as powerful, but, but, that but is, close. But close. But very close. Yeah. And I, I would say that more. I'm, I'm very self-conscious that my Connor fan cap might be coming on slightly. <laughs> um, that's that's okay. We're all fans of someone, so. Uh, if, um, you know, if I, he's I, your I boy, think, if he's your boy, he's your boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. It, I think for the UK, I think it, it happens a lot. Um, but I think I think Connor has more split second accuracy than Gaethje. I think Gaethje, when we saw him against Khabib, he went back into that. He's he's improved recently, but against Khabib, he went back into that old style of head down and swing. <laughs> you know, yeah. he was he had so much pressure on him, he just head down and swing. So he went back to that, and I think he, Justin has that. That tendency. Well, the reason the reason why I bought bought up Gechi was it was slightly loaded because uh, I've been watching the Poirier Gechi fight and um, Gechi hit Poirier, I think, with the best punches he's got, and and to my surprise, Poirier took him. So I'm now I'm wondering, could he take? Mag- I'm not saying he can, but I'm thinking, could he take McGregor's best shots? Maybe. Potentially, yeah, and I mean he hasn't been finished in a long... Well, he, he got finished by submission, but he hasn't been uh, knocked KO'd, out, yeah. TKO'd since 2016, yeah. Justin Poirier. So that is that is the, the caveat to that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, what what version of Conor are we going to see? Is he better than the... If he is better than the Alvarez Conor that we, that we... Which is, in my opinion, one of the best title fights and yeah. overall performances we've ever seen. Yeah. If he's better than that, I mean, you just don't know. You don't know who would beat him at that level. Mm. I mean, that is a that is a very elite fighter. If he's better than that version, yeah, at his best weight class, in my opinion. Now, if if you was uh, Dustin Poirier's coach, uh, Mike Brown from uh, AT and T, not AT and T. That's the telecoms company, American Top Team. <laughs> AT&T slightly different yeah Americans then after that it's different yeah um, 
if you was Eric Dustin's coach, would you try a strategy of keeping on the outside of Connor for two rounds, maybe third round, and then testing his cardio and then coming back? Would you try that strategy? Yeah, hundred percent. You'd have to. That's that's the one. That's the one thing that Connor's always had, and that what well, he hasn't had. He hasn't had the cardio. He's never had that. He's he's no. He's always struggled against the Nate the, the Nate Diaz win. He had a, a, a very late second wind, I think, in the late fourth round to fifth, where he, he sort of, you know, he had a second wind. Um, but he has struggled going for the full five rounds. So I think, and we, we forget that Dustin is actually a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He could see how round one goes. If they're both bloodied up and, you know, both gassing along their last legs, he he could go and take Connor down. Again, we know he's not going to be amazing at it. He's he's he showed some decent takedown defense against Khabib, but we haven't seen anything um, definitive. So that, that's his two that's his two things against Connor. You know, take him down, and he met he he's not as good because he can't throw hands, and take him into deep waters, and that is something that that D- Dustin is a. Uh, He's a war horse. We know he can do it. Yeah, I, I think the the only risk with that strategy for Dustin is he, he while he's he's circling or, or keeping the distance, he can't be on the back foot for too long and, and at, on too many occasions. He has to gain Connor's respect because Connor will be he'll he'll remember his dominant performance, although six years ago. But he'll in his mind he'll still be like. Well, I walked this guy down, he, he threw four or five punches, and I think he did connect with Connor a few times, but he didn't gain Connor's respect. So if you are going to circle and try to take it to round three and four and maybe five, you've got to be in there for a minute and a half of the round. It's a five-minute round. You've got to be sort of coming in and out and gaining some respect, otherwise Connor will walk him down again. Yeah, and... That's what Alvarez did. He stayed on the outside, and Connor just said, "Right, I'm taking the middle, and I'm just going to mm. walk you down, cut off the angles, and and, and pick you apart." And that, that is what again, if he is at that level, if he is that kind of better than Alvarez version of McGregor, he will do that even more efficiently this time. You, you've got to gain some respect, uh, you know. And Dustin said in, in an interview this week, like I said, that he was he wants blood from round one. He wants the deep waters from the first bell. That's that's probably going to be a good fallback for him, you know. Just go back to that warhorse mentality and take Connor to really deep waters, gas him out early, because you you'd probably say that Dustin has a slightly better gas tank. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, prediction time. I think you're going to go for Connor. Yeah, I'm going to go for a, a, a Connor knockout win. Mm. Um, Which round? First couple, first couple of rounds, one or two. If I'm I'm, I'm going to bind to the hype. Dana is telling me that this is the best Connor. Connor yeah. said his tweet literally was, Connor's tweet literally was, if I, I, I could face you know the Alvarez version of myself mm. and the Cowboy version of myself at the same night and beat both of them. So I'm <laughs> going to buy in. As, as a Connor fan, yeah. I like this version of Connor. I've always said it. The Connor against Khabib I didn't like because he, did, he didn't look interested. He yeah. looked like he was taking it too easy. He was drinking. Mm. This version of Connor, the one who's focused, um, you know, on the on the right path. There's nothing not to like. 
I also like the fact that he's sort of a bit more respectful nowadays, and yeah, you know, th- th- there is there is a little bit of spice between this with, with Dustin, you know, because in the first fight they hated each other, didn't they? Yeah, um, yeah, there was a lot of anim- animosity in the first one. So this is a nice this mm. is a nice little build. I'm going to look forward to the week leading up to the fight. You know, the press conferences are going to be nice. It's going to be good to see which you know how they both look and how they both turn out. Mm. But I'm going to buy into the hype as a Connor fan and go for a Connor knockout win round one or two. And if you're ever going to buy into the hype during lockdown, is the best time to do it. Well, why not? There's exactly. nothing else to do. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to buy a bottle of uh, proper twelve for the for the fight. Uh, I've got three empty bottles looking at me right now at this desk. <laughs> um, I haven't got another one on order just yet, but I'm, I might have to. Yeah. Get one ready for the uh, for the fight week. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've just I've just checked the uh, the pay per view price, and it is twenty quid in the UK, which I think is very reasonable. Mm. So talking about money, are you going to put your money where your mouth is? Are you going to bet on Connor? Yes, I will. Mm. In fact, I I usually when whenever I do this show with you. I always put a bet on sort of afterwards, going mm. with my predictions. So I might do a little two fight yeah. accumulator for yeah. that, and I might put it on. Uh, what did I say? A Chandler's Chandler Chandler and Connor. Yeah. 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 Why not? Makes makes the fight night more interesting, doesn't it? Absolutely. You, you don't have to put thousands of pounds in just a cheeky tenner or whatever. Yeah. 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 Absolutely makes it slightly more in, and you know, a bet betting slip in one hand, proper twelve glass in the other. What more do you need? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, I'm going to go for Connor as well. Um, I've got question marks, but I, 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 I'm like yourself. I'm, I'm hearing these things. It's the best ever. I'm, I think Connor's motivation is to get the belt back, uh, lightweight belt back. So um, I think he's genuinely motivated this time I hope he is so uh, he, he, he's not doing it for the money that's obvious so he's still got this fire in his belly about winning a championship being in the UFC okay there's no fans but obviously in other ways he gets the the adulation of media and, and everything else and he obviously enjoys it and he, he, he excels at it so uh, why not indeed so uh, I, I think if uh, yeah, I'm gonna go first two rounds that Connor will KO uh, Dustin. Yeah, uh, there is actually gonna be two thousand fans there. I don't know if you saw. Ah, uh, yes, correct. There is gonna be selective fans. Yeah, through a process. Yeah. Yeah, they, well, they put the tickets out on sale the other day, and it mm. sold out within thirteen minutes. So surprise, surprise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's. Uh, I'm not sure what the cases are like over there because Dubai has just been added to um, the UK's no travel list and mm. various countries in that area so I'm not sure if um, well I don't know if it was on sale to international fans I'm guessing it was just to local no I think it was just in country yeah in the UAE okay. maybe just in Abu Dhabi maybe yeah um, yeah because I don't think they encourage people UAE like the United Kingdom is, is is a number of countries seven countries yeah so I don't think they encourage driving cross-border um, okay I, I think I think Connor's already out there I was, I was concerned for a while but I just I, I've been reading about his fight camp and he's been in Portugal and Ireland and now he's in is, in, uh, uh, is Dustin Poirier out there I'm not sure but Connor definitely is 
he 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 put out a post about five days ago saying he's he's flying over there now. Mm. In his private jet, probably. Oh, probably. Why not? And uh, I think uh, I read Dan Hooker asked this. I don't know why, but I just read it while I was just surfing the internet. He'll have to stay there one month after the fight's finished, so he won't be back home till March. Yeah, I did, I did see that. Um, cause I, I think it happened It happened to um, Volkanovski, I think, cause, last cause, year. Do you know the... Re- oh, because of the, the rules in Australia and New Zealand? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, think, I think it was Volkanovski or... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him. It might have been Dan Hooker again as well, because a, lo- a lot of them... Could, it, could he have been Israel Adesanya? Because he's from New Zealand, isn't he? Yeah, yeah pretend, I think a few of them did it. Yeah. A few of them posted pictures of uh, being in the... They had like a whole facility for UFC guys coming back. Yeah. And, you know, they had their families on one side of this, like, six-foot cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they could, they could only see him through that, so... Oh, OK. All right. So it must be something to do with the Australia New Zealand, their rules, probably. OK. They take it, they take it super seriously, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the results show, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's minimal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think we've reached our uh, allotted time. There is one question, but we'll we'll leave that for next. And uh, no, I've really enjoyed this discussion, Matt. Getting the uh, the juices flowing for you, UFC two five seven, and hopefully it does it for the audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a it's a, it's a really strong. It's probably one of the strongest main event and co-main. One of the most interesting you're going to get for quite a while so mm. uh, and the fact that we're especially in the UK we're all in lockdown so it's uh, it's just something to get your teeth into and yeah. look forward to because there's not a lot else to look forward to let me tell you that no normally I, I ask you uh, what you're up to and <laughs> are you going to any live events but obviously but you're on no. Twitter aren't you yeah I'm on yeah we're on Twitter at purely MMA um, I will be live tweeting most events and tweeting about MMA news of the day and wanting discussion points to come along, drop us a follow and, uh, and just get involved. Just reply to the, the discussion points. There's nothing else for us all to do, so let's all uh, all meet up in a friendly environment and chat about MMA. Why not? And uh, we, we haven't done much on the purely MMA website. We should maybe we used to post a few articles a month. Should start doing that again. Yeah, and uh, and before I was I was saying that I didn't have the time. Uh, work was busy. I started my own company last year, so. But actually, now there's not a lot going on. So, yeah, we definitely should start doing some stuff, 100%. Yeah, yeah that's purelymma.co.uk. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Matt, for being on. And, uh, it's a pleasure. Co-host, and uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. And, um, yeah, just to finish off, the contact the, the MMA show 7 at gmail.com. Sorry, I couldn't get to your questions, but we'll do that next month. Uh, we'll, we'll do a, a re- review of this, Matt, next month. It'll be interesting of the... UFC 257 as well um, so the MMA show 7 at gmail.com Twitter at the MMA shower and Facebook Let's Talk MMA this has been the MMA shower sponsored by hattonjameslegal.co.uk that's hattonjameslegal.co.uk for all your employment law needs and uh, if you want to get your podcast fixed go to srbmedia.co.uk srbmedia.co.uk UK King of Podcasts and you can get all manner of podcasts football, soccer, speedway music etc and all genre music uh, whatever you may be into so uh, good evening, good afternoon, good morning wherever you may be and uh, thank you for listening and uh, 
enjoy the uh, the festive MMA uh, pro, uh, fights coming up uh, in the next few weeks. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.